WEEI Studios, the home of the Red Sox. 93.7 WEEI-FM and HD1, Lawrence, Boston. Always live on the free Odyssey app. Time now for KJ and Dondero with KJ Carson and Mark Dondero on WEEI. WEEI. And streaming everywhere on the Odyssey app. I think he's going to play the hits. I think we're going back to the old system. He'll meld it with what he learned at Alabama, which every Patriots reporter and national person has told you. Mac Jones helped teach him the Alabama offense when he first got there. So you'll get some college concepts. You know, he really took the Patriots offense, though, to Penn State and then the Texans. So they're going to speak the same language right away. And that goes with O'Brien and Belichick, O'Brien and the players. And I think they're really, really going to get back to those roots. They'll just kind of modernize it a little bit with what he did the last two years. And you think this will be a good uh, offense for the Patriots? You know, can they be successful? That with their personnel. Yeah, because we've seen Mac Jones do these things at Alabama. And of course, we can point to all the surrounding NFL talent, all the receivers, the offensive line. But the point is, we know what he does well. And it's get rid of the ball quickly, it's diagnosed, it's make decisions like in those RPOs. Do I hand it off or do I pass it in that split second? I think Bill O'Brien's going to amplify those strengths. I think we're going to see the best version of Mac Jones yet. Second hour of KJ and Don Darrow on WEEI. It's Saturday, 617-779-7937. Text line 37937. Mark, what do you think of Andrew Callahan's thoughts on Boston Sports tonight that you're going to now see the best of Mac Jones? I agree. I agree with everything he said right there. Now, do I, I you know, we could talk about some of the specific plays and how he's going to manifest the offense under Mac Jones, but I, by and large, agree. I think this will be the best version of Mac Jones. I think they're going to accentuate his strengths. I think they're going to find ways to make him comfortable and to really allow him to attack. It just sounds like a bunch of hand-holding to me. Meanwhile, Bailey Zappi's like, sure, I'll take your bad offense in there and go make it look good. What about this guy who could give me a good offense too, coach? Put me in, coach. I'm ready to play. Let's go to Carlos in Rhode Island. Thanks so much for calling KJ and Dondero. You're on the air. Hey, guys, thanks for taking the call. So I want to touch a little bit on the um, attracting the free agents. You might have to, like, win a game. or I I don't agree with that, and I'll tell you why. The way to attract a free agent is you pay. You pay for them. Because, I mean, look at Tyreek Hill. Granted, it was a trade. I understand that. But he agreed to the trade to be traded to a team that hasn't won squat since the 70s. Why? Because he's one of the highest paid receivers in the league. So he is the highest paid receiver agent, in the league. <laughs> he's the well, highest. There you paid. go. But there it's a trade. It's, my... it's, it, but it's a trade. I'm talking about it's free agents, right? The right. free agents that used to come here, right. like Junior Seau or Randy Moss. Okay. These guys, yeah. But Tyreek Hill agreed to the trade. Yeah, usually with trades. I don't really know what we're talking about here. If you pay them, you're right, Carlos. If you pay them, they will come. Um, They were able to get guys to come here even after Tom Brady left. Well, wait a minute. Wait a minute. What if you overpay them and you don't get any return? Aguilar is top five in terms of cats sucking up for a team at that position. So is John Smith. Right, exactly. So they've paid. There are no free agents running here because they pay. Nobody like it shows that you're over. You're, you'll spend on bad material, and that's what's happened. So well, don't I'm do that. Identify guys yeah. that are going to come here and work out. Or see the problem was KJ when they went after Smith and Aguilar. Like those guys aren't a players, so you don't know how they're going to mesh here. You don't know how they're going to be. When the Dolphins went after Tyree Kill, there was virtually no chance 
that he was going to go to Miami and be ineffective. He was way too good. It was, now, it was, here's the other part of it. If you already have Jalen Waddle there, and you say, you know what? If I go there, both of us will eat because you've got a game plan for both of us. If you're if you're a superstar receiver and come to the to the Patriots right now, who else are they game planning for that's, that's spread wide out? Who else? No, you're right. They don't have that guy. That's the right. problem. So, so you, th- you get that by winning, right? That's what Buffalo did. That's how they get Stephon Diggs. They say, you know what? This team is on a winning trajectory, and he says, if I, that, I can make a difference when I go there. And they've been able to build receivers off of the acquisition of Stephon Diggs. I would rather see, hey, okay, a big name comes here, and you can develop receivers that are here. But we don't have guys that are so young, outside of Tyquan Thornton, right? But you're talking about Devontae Parker's a retread. Uh, Ty Montgomery, what he's trying to do as a hybrid, once he was hurt, you get that. He was supposed to be the replacement for uh, James White. So the reach, you can't go get retreads and then expect a superstar to kind of help the retreads get better. Now, if you have youth, that's something different. Or if you're like the situation with Cincinnati where Joe Burrow and Jamar Chase play together in college, that they have such a connection that that's something totally different. Maybe you go after a Devonta Smith or someone one of these one of these former Alabama guys that may not be catching the traction that you think. Maybe Jeremy Judy, uh, Jerry Judy, uh, out of uh, in in uh, in the Broncos. If they can't figure things out, then yeah, I would say go get one of those because at least there's already an establishment with Mac Jones, and they would say yeah, I can play with them because I've played with them or I'm from that same system. Yeah. But in terms of your superstars like DeAndre Hopkins and stuff like that, like I don't see why they would come. Well, you could have been in on Devonte Adams last year. You didn't want to. Yeah, pay. but do you, do you really think that Devontae Adams was going to come here? I don't know. Well, he went to the Raiders. But he played he played in college with, with, with Derek Carr, yeah, so I, at least I you have some excuse there. Yeah, that's fine. But if Belichick paid him, he would. why wouldn't he have considered coming to New England? Yeah, I don't Play with the so. greatest coach of all time. Uh, but he's, the coach doesn't throw the ball. The quarterback does. That's so the difference between Derek Brady. Carr. Right. Wait, but that's the thing with Brady. He could get Antonio Brown to come and produce. Like, if you remember when Antonio Brown came the week before, the Chiefs were the were, were the odds-on favorite to win the Super Bowl. You bring in Antonio Brown the next week, and suddenly the Patriots were the Super Bowl favorites until Antonio Brown had that situation. He was only able to play that Miami game, and then he was off the team, and yeah. then the Chiefs went back. So clearly, that's where you say... All Tom Brady needed was just one. I say with this, you need things to address the system. Offensive line, a second running back. Probably you're going to have to address the tight end situation because you've overpaid for two of them. Yeah. So so there are other things that you have to take care of than just saying, go get Mac a brand new Ferrari, but yet the road still isn't paved. This is how you fix the Patriots. They did step one. They got a real offensive coordinator. That's step one. The next thing that I would do is I would get him two New weapons, wide receivers. I would trade for one. Left tackle and a left guard. Hold on. (laughs) Well, wait a minute, though. Yeah. Two things on the offensive line. Number one, I just said Belichick has proven he can get good linemen late in the draft or after the draft. Undrafted free agents. Owenu. Shaq Mason was a fourth-round pick. Sebastian Vollmer was a second-round pick. David Andrews, undrafted free agent. He can get those guys. He can find those guys later. He has. I guess the question is, like, what Shaq Mason, then why do you trade him if you know that you still have a developing quarterback. Right? I don't know. I don't know that, why that, they did that, that part is a mystery. I'm like, what are we doing? But just here? real quick on the, on the offensive line. How about what's going on right now with the Bengals? They just lost three of their starters yeah. and they got to the they got to Buffalo and won and now they're in the AC championship game. There are there are ways to combat that if you've got a quarterback and weapons that are dudes. Now 
I would go get a DeAndre Hopkins or trade for a guy like that. Don't worry about free agents. Make a trade, and then I would sink every available resource I have into getting the best receiver available in the draft. So you go twofold there. You get the best wide receiver, you know, a trade, wide receiver on the market, free agent. I don't think it's a great class, but you go trade for somebody. Maybe he's not a 1A guy, but he's close, and then you go get the best receiver in the draft, and you align those people with Mac Jones, and then you got that with the real offensive coordinator. That's where I would start, and followed by going after some offensive linemen later in the draft or signing guys. Okay, let me pause I trust you, you because we have we have a moment of history here on here KJ go. and Dondero. Annie in Cambridge is calling KJ and Dondero. Let's put the gentle lady on. Annie, thank you so much for calling. We appreciate. Go ahead. You guys are so cool. Um, so I just want to say that I'm not a big fan of Belichick's decision making with drafting and stuff. Um, it's okay to save money, but. Too many times over the years he has opted to not spend money when he could have to support Brady, for example. And uh, he's lucky he had a quarterback and a team with such heart. And I'm rooting for Mac Jones because I do think he needed an offensive coordinator. To me, that's not rocket science. Having a defensive coordinator uh, trying to be his mentor in that situation is, uh, again, makes no sense to me. So I would just say that you answered your own question earlier with, uh, Belichick being the so-called greatest of all time. I think Tom Brady actually won that argument. I don't think Belichick's the greatest of all time. His decision-making has not always been great or emotionally intelligent. I mean, he, uh, you know, punished Randy Moss and Adelius Thomas in public over being late to a meeting in a snowstorm and just knocked the morale out of, out of his, you know, his talent. It, that's not smart. So that's all I have to say. Thank you. Yeah. Uh, Annie, thank you. Have a great Sunday. We appreciate I'm calling my parents to say that Annie called our show. However, I will say this. Bill has a little bit of a cheat code. Like him being the defensive coordinator for the New York Giants is a big part of Belichick's story. Okay? Like, I understand well, we're all reading what's talking about the greatest head coach of all time. Not Well, all of it's included. No, the defensive included coordinator. Head coach. No, oh, head gosh. coach. I, look, Annie said <laughs> she made some good points that I didn't disagree with. I thought a few of them were more Belichick the GM related, not so much Belichick the head coach. But this is where I disagree with Annie. Bill Belichick, yes, you can nitpick certain things. But by and large, I don't think Steve Mariucci wins six Super Bowls with Tom Brady. Belichick's greatness is from what he was able to do with Brady and massaging the greatness that Brady brought to the organization. That cannot be everybody goes back to what his record is without Brady and this and that. You cannot argue how good Belichick was while Brady was here and with those teams that were great. Not every coach can handle that situation as well as Belichick did and to keep it together for as long as he did and to have the success the unprecedented success that they had that is something major and that is why to me he is the greatest of all time for being able to manage that on top of the fact that he did draft Tom Brady he stuck with Tom Brady he developed Tom Brady Brady was more responsible overall for all the success but Belichick gets his credit and that is what makes him the greatest of all time to me so I don't want to hear about his record outside of Tom Brady he's allowed to draft the greatest of all time and keep him around for as long as possible I'm not going to punish him for that well here's the thing now I think the difference between why Brady's greatness really deals with his internal fortitude right like the will that's inside of him that's probably greater than we've ever seen Better that's bigger than his physical talent, right? But now you have a lot of physical talented guys 
that don't have the level of fortitude that Brady has inside of him, but have a, has a, have a great level of it, right? So you see someone like a Joe Burrow, that's why you can see some of the similarities because it's like, hey, this, this guy's internal fortitude seems to be a little higher than some of these other guys. Like you might say with Lamar Jackson, yeah, there's a lot of physical skill there, but the internal fortitude is, is why people may question, why is the guy not out there with, with this, this mystery injury that seems to be going on further along? The question is with Mac Jones is that we know there are physical limitations in a game that's much more physical. Where's the internal fortitude that we need to see to determine if this guy is going to be the quarterback moving forward? That's why I feel like there's a little bit of hand-holding, like, come on, you've got this greatness in you. It felt like a lot. My my teachers, they used to tell me all the time, like, you have so much potential. And that could be a dangerous word. Like, you're so much more than a C-plus student. I just had to find a really good career for a C plus student to do. That was my, that was the thing. I wasn't trying to be a rocket scientist. And it's the same thing with Mac Jones. Like Matt Patricia. Yeah, that's a good one. Okay. But the same thing with Mac Jones. You can't start saying, hey, we want to see you try and at least get 30 yards a game with your legs. That's not his game. So you're going to have to put together a lot of pieces in a game where those pieces cost so much more. The running back isn't valued as much as, as it used to be. So, and those are things he needs. So, look, we'll continue the conversation because we're up against the break. So, 617-779-7937, text line 37937, KJ and Dondero. It's time to trend with Stiz. Go ahead, brother. Now, here's what's trending on WEEI. The NFL Conference Championships are this Sunday. The 49ers are in Philly taking on the Eagles at 3.30, followed by the Bengals in Kansas City taking on the Chiefs at 6.30. Don't forget, both of those games can be heard right here on WEEI. Per Field Yates, Patrick Mahomes was a full participant in practice and is off the injury report. Albert Breer reported Friday that the Patriots are flying out former player Ryan Wendell out to Las Vegas to interview for the open offensive line coaching position. Wendell played nine seasons with the Pats and helped New England win a Super Bowl in 2014. He spent the last four seasons with the Bills holding the title of assistant offensive line coach for the previous three campaigns. The Bruins road trip continues tonight as they take on the Florida Panthers. Puck drops at 6 p.m. And the Celtics have lost three in a row. They'll try and turn it around tonight when they host LeBron James and the Lakers. Unfortunately, Marcus Smart will be out. And uh, fun stat, the Celtics are 0-3 in their last three, and Marcus Smart has been injured for all three of those games. That tip-off at 8.30. I'm Stiz. That's what's trending now on WEI and WEI.com. You're listening to KJ and Don Darrow on Boston Sports Original, WEI. Yeah. KJ and Don Darrow, good Saturday afternoon to you. 617-779-7937. Text line 37937. Thanks for joining the conversation. Uh, Mark, we haven't been together in five months. I feel like we have to kind of, you know, do like the little name sticker on ourselves. Yeah. I mean, I know you've been in there with Fitzy and Hart, and God bless you. Talking yeah. with Fitzy after about 20 minutes, you're like, wow, this dude, like, he needs like his own binder when he talks. I know I talk a lot, but damn, that guy talks a lot. I love um, Fitzy. Yeah, he's a great guy, though. We've had, we've had some good. I'm just wondering, like, does he hijack IPAs? Like, I do wonder that, like. He has a they good beer somewhere. Just give him IPAs. They, you can have to hijack them. He, he, he should come up with the IPA called Intravenous IPA because that's the dude right there. So I know you've been in there with him, but it's been like five months since before football season. Uh, you would hear us Sunday mornings. What was it? Nine to 11? Nine to 11 Sundays. Nine to 11 Sundays. Yes. Yeah, so yeah. So this is kind of a shock. I, we even talk about it. It was like, 
what happens when the sun is this bright during the time of the day? We've never been on together like this. Time, Sun's so. bright at 11 a.m. Yeah, yeah. When, depending on where you are in the solstice. Yes, I too, I do agree. But um, it's so great. So, it, I can't believe it's been five months since we've done this show. I know, together. it's crazy. All right, let's go to Cal and Quincy. Uh, we're, we've been talking about like the whole situation of how the, how the, the Patriots' offense has been moving. And you have a thought, Cal, that I actually think you're, you're spot on. Go ahead, tell it. Yeah, so uh, thank you for taking my call, first and foremost. I want, I want to just talk about the tight end position and how crucial it is in the NFL. If you look at the, the remainder of the teams, and this is the cream of the crop here, um, they always have you know, great tight ends. You look at Kittle, you look at uh, Kelsey, you know, guys like that. We had Gronkowski, a guy named Gronkowski, best in the business, best that I've ever seen. And um, I've watched football for quite some time and played it as well. So that being said, rather than getting these, you know, fast, big-burning uh, wide receivers or whatever, we got a couple of decent wide receivers. But contrary to belief, uh, they just needed an offensive coordinator, which they went and got. But what I'm saying is with this tight end, I don't know what's coming out in the draft, or maybe we can scoop one up. But the Hunter Henry, uh, John U. Smith era is not working. It's just not. They're not big blockers. Um uh, you know, Henry had a decent season the first first year he was here, but uh, I want to see after a, a real formidable tight end, whether it be in the draft or free agency. Uh, he never works well with, with, with wide receivers, so let's eliminate that. Yeah, Cal, have, have, yeah, have a great afternoon. Thanks for calling. Yeah, I, I agree. And look, this is where I think some of Belichick's genius is when he paired Gronk and Hernandez and kind of reformulated the way kind of football is played for young quarterbacks doing that for Tom and that and that became this formula that was unstoppable that even when the drafting of Mac Jones happened you're like okay with John U. Smith with Hunter Henry both of these guys would be ideal whether for Cam Newton whose skills were declining or a brand new quarterback coming into the league who you just can't expect to just be like you know you know Jeff George 50 yard bombs down the field you would want to work them slowly in the progressions because in in college you can throw your guy open in the pros, you have to pray that that guy knows his assignment and throw the ball to the spot, and that takes time. And so, yes, with the lack of offensive coordinator and game planning last year, that affected him. But you still you were supposed to have, in terms of what Bill spent for, a couple of guys who were able to get things done in the short and intermediate that just aren't being used. I think that the tight ends are vitally important. Um, I'm out on Jonu Smith. I don't think it's ever going to work here. Hunter Henry, his first year wasn't a bust. Right. Um, I'm not, I don't think that's the biggest priority, but if that's where, if Bill O'Brien feels like that's where he'll have the most success and where Mac Jones will have the most success, fine. Invest in more tight ends, draft the tight end, identify somebody that you think could come in and immediately make an impact. Um, I would, I would trend more towards the wide receiver. I mean, who's the Bengals tight end? Hayden Hurst. You know, yes. I, they can do without an elite tight end. I mean, end. he's had six touchdowns in the playoffs. No, he's good. Yeah. He's good. Um, they all have him. Dallas Goddard for for for, yeah. the, for the Eagles. So you have quality tight ends because you want that ability. And again, like we mentioned earlier, three of the four quarterbacks still in the playoffs are all on their original rookie deal still. So you still want to be able to have safety nets that are effective for a young quarterback as things, you know, because the further you get into the season and playoffs, things become more complex in terms of preparing and what you're seeing. That's what they're even saying that happened to Josh Allen last week with Cincinnati. We'll get to the NFL playoffs here in about 20 minutes in full. But that they started showing him things that he wasn't used to seeing. They did the same thing with Patrick Mahomes. So you have the ability to change things up. And what it, and Mac Jones, to me, is just like, what I see on tape is what I have to prepare for. That's true. But where's the improvisation skill set that's needed to take yourself to the next level. 
Yeah, I mean, I just don't think the game changer that you're looking for is going to be a tight end. I, I think they need to be productive. You know, like, all I, I, Kelsey's a different thing because he's so elite. You can't try to go find that. But I just, the, the, it's going to come somewhere else. I need Henry, really, to only do what he did two years ago. Jones' rookie year. If he could be that guy, I think that's good enough, especially if you have another tight end that could just supplement him with not being useless. If you have the other weapons around, that could be good enough with Bill O'Brien getting the best out of Mac Jones. Okay, so looking at with Bill O'Brien coming in, and the question is, does Mac Jones suddenly become a better quarterback in the AFC East, just be, uh, in the AFC, just because Bill O'Brien's there? So I'll give you a name and I'll give you a number. You'll tell me if you agree. So let's just say Joe Burrow's won in the AFC. Would you say yay? No. Patrick Mahomes, Mahomes two? You, Mahomes, you would flip those two? Mahomes is one, yeah. Okay, so then we'd go Josh Allen three maybe? Sure. Justin Herbert four? No. Lamar Jackson, five. Would you flip those? I'd probably go Trevor Lawrence, four. Four? Really? I well, think... I have him at six. Okay? okay. So I have Herbert at four, Lamar Jackson, five, Ju- uh, Trevor Lawrence at six, Deshaun Watson at seven. And the reason why I have him at seven is because, okay, there's some questions there, but he's also someone whose skill set we don't know have completely gone just yet. Next year, he'll have a full season. I have, two, I, I have Herbert, Jackson, and Lawrence at four, five, and six. So whatever oh, order you want. Okay, yep. So Lawrence at six, Deshaun Watson at seven, Tua at eight, uh, Kenny Pickett at nine, Russell Wilson at 10, Tannehill 11, Mac Jones 12, and then I have the Jets as vacant, Colts as vacant, Texans vacant, Raiders vacant. That sound about right? Mm, I have Mac Jones higher. than So I have it Tua is whatever you want. So you had Watson, what, six or seven? Seven. So I had Watson, seven. I had Tua, eight. Okay. And then I had Mac Jones. Mac Jones ahead of Pickett. Ahead of Pickett, ahead of Russell Wilson, ahead of Derek Carr, ahead of Tannehill, and ahead of uh, Zach Wilson. Okay, so let's say that Pickett is where the the conversation piece is in terms of Mac Jones, right? Yep. Can he surpass what Kenny Pickett is? Because I think the idea is – what you're going to see in Pittsburgh is to see, will he have a regress or, or a progressive season in his second year, right? So Kenny Pickett, who I think, has some of those more improvisational it factors than Mac Jones does that I would say if I had to start a team with two rookies right now and they use, like, Kenny Pickett or Mac Jones, I would go with Kenny Pickett, despite, despite I don't think he's going to the, the, save the world, but he's one of those guys that has those twitch muscles that says, if I need to make a play and this is something I didn't see on tape, I can get it done. I feel like with Mac Jones, it's like if I don't get it done, maybe the best thing I could do is either throw the ball away and not take a sack. And and that's and that's what I'm trying to figure out. How does Bill O'Brien improve that inside of him when that's more of an internal thing than it is a coaching thing? You're right. There are things that we still need to find out about Mac Jones. Um, but I just think that based on what I've seen, and I'm giving him – listen – Admittedly, I'm a Jones guy. I thought that I still think that he could be the answer. Okay. But but that's not, you know, like he could be. And we're at that precipice of like, 
you've got to make a decision really next year. It can't be more potential into year four because now are, do you start scouting for other quarterbacks? Do you look at Bailey Zappi harder? You know, I don't think they're going to go the free agent route because the free agent money is going to go crazy once Lamar Jackson gets the franchise tagged. The, the salaries are just going to go through the roof, and then you still have Herbert and Burrow to do their deals. So if you're the Patriots, you have to make this work between either Zappi and, and Jones or pay Jones about $40 million in a couple of years or try and go out there and, you know, you look at a Dak Prescott, that doesn't look impressive in a couple of years. You're not touching Derek Carr in that 25-year so you're going to have to do something before Burrow and, and Herbert sign their deals just to even get a, mid, a mid-level a mid quarterback who's probably going to be looking for maybe 28 to 35. And you're like, uh, you don't know if you're going to get that out of them. Look, I'll admit, if there was a way, I, it doesn't look like they're going to be able to, but if there was a way to get Lamar Jackson here, I would do that. I would do that with Bill I'm Belichick. Sh- I'm shocked that you said it because I, I think last year you were not a big fan of Lamar Jackson, said that he couldn't. He couldn't win the big games. Is that not true? No, you're right. And I, I, I've ha- I have moved a little bit, um, but I do have the injury concerns. But that was also before we saw how bad it got here. Yeah. You know, so that changed my perception. Well, you, um, you know what I think what's really changing your perception about Lamar Jackson is what I'm talking about is the improvisational stuff. Because if you told me in terms of quarterback acumen and the, the ability to have the awareness of what's going on downfield and possibly the accuracy of the arm, I would lean a little towards Mac Jones. But in terms of I need to win the game and I need a play made, it, it's, it would be a perfect match for the defense for this for the Patriots. I don't think Lamar Jackson's really going to be in play because Baltimore has that power of doing the franchise tag. But I do believe that the NFLPA will probably try to address about quarterbacks getting franchise tagged two years in a row, especially with Herbert and Burroughs coming down the line. Yeah. Because I think the, they're going to say, look, these guys are going to be in the argument for four or $500 million deals and playing this little franchise footsie is going to get other guys who are not very good paid very well. So I, I think that's going to be addressed here pretty soon. But yeah, look, what you're saying about Lamar Jackson is he would be the guy that probably would have won three games just himself for the Patriots team. And if you take that defense along with his ability to improv and you've got tight ends that that's what he feeds off of that you would have to respect the running ability of him that you may get somebody like a Devonte Parker you get him open you would say he's probably just as dangerous as anybody else in the league who gets open right you getting open in the NFL is the whole idea I'm not out on Mac Jones but I acknowledge now that it's going to be harder and it's less likely that he's going to become the quarterback that I was hoping initially after his rookie year that he was going to become. Okay, so with that being said, yes, I am more open to a guy like Lamar Jackson now, and I think we've seen a little bit of, of this with Jalen Hurts too. Like, yeah. I, I don't. I think if you get the coaching, and if you have a system with weapons. You can do special things even if you're not Tom Brady. You know what I mean? Diagnosing every defense that you're looking at or you, you, this drop-back passer. The, the game has changed to a point where, look, do I think no matter where Jalen Hurts goes, he'd be a super successful quarterback? Yeah. Not necessarily. If there's a bozo of a coach, I don't think he would necessarily thrive. But you put him in a situation with coaches that have a feel and know what they're doing combined with a heck of a lot of talent around them, then a guy like Jalen Hurts, I think, can succeed, which is what we're seeing. So I would be more open to that now than maybe I was two, three years ago after we saw it with Jackson in Baltimore and now Hurts, uh, Hurts in um, in Philly. Yeah. So like knowing how this offense is going to be built and designed, it's not going to be designed for a mobile quarterback per se. 
So let's say going down the road, let's say a Jared Goff becomes available. Detroit may even be looking at a quarterback still in the draft. So do you look at someone like a, at a Jared Goff? If, if management says, look, Mac Jones isn't working, we don't believe that Bailey Zappi is the answer, and we don't want to get into a contract that's going to be super loaded when these numbers come up in 24 and 25. Do you look at someone like a Jared Goff where you get the precision, you get the accuracy, you get the experience, he may be a little advanced, but maybe you say, okay, this is a guy, because he doesn't have top-flight receivers there, but he can turn them into very high-quality receivers and and maybe fits the system. Is that someone you potentially look at if it doesn't work out? Absolutely not. If If it's a guy that maybe possibly could win you a Super Bowl, Lamar Jackson, if Belichick got really creative and he was really special one year and you got in some weapons, maybe that gets you to a Super Bowl, helps you win a Super Bowl if the defense is going well. Other than that, absolutely not. You just suck and take your chances drafting high. I would just, I would break it down and start completely over, and that would probably involve the head coach, but I would just break it all down. If Mac Jones fails, KJ, that's sort of, to me, that's that signifies the end of Bill Belichick because I think Belichick, you give him the chance to create the next guy. It would be the one fatal mistake. Well, not the fatal mistake, but he's older. You know, you've had him around for a million years. Like, you give him a chance to create the next guy. If it doesn't work out, like how many years is a guy going to coach? Like, just you got to get somebody fresh in here. It's nothing against Belichick. I've got all the respect and appreciation in the world for him, but eventually you need a change. I mean, look at what the Bruins just did. Bruce Cassidy didn't suck, but now look at them. Yeah, well, then again, Bruce Cassidy's doing well in Vegas, but I, I get yeah, your that's point. Fine, that- but so, I mean, the Celtics, like Ime Udoka, I know it's a different sport. It's different. It's no, a different you're still type of talking thing. about coaching and leadership. I get I you're not. You're not cross pollinating. It, it doesn't it. work with Mac Jones, and it goes off the rails, and they don't have a quarterback, and they start losing games, and they're getting high draft pick. At that point, just just that's enough. Like Belichick has been here long enough. I will I will be there at the statue unveiling. But yeah. he's been here long enough. If that's the case, you gave him a, sh- a shot with Bell uh, with Jones to find the next dude. Mm-hmm. If it doesn't work out, let's just go in a different direction. Start over. Go into the draft. Get a guy. Jared Goff. No, not, so, nobody like that. So, have you heard the term familiarity breeds contempt? Sure. Yeah, you think that's kind of what's going on. Like there's just yeah. just like there's just a little bit of contemptness. Well, yeah. But I also think it's because he's a legend, and they want him to break Don Shula's record as a Patriots head coach, which I understand. Yeah. But I mean, I don't know. Like I said, I keep going back to it. That's probably why he stayed since past seventy. And I thought Marv. Yeah, Marv Levy was a bad example because Marv Levy had a lot of bad seasons that he had to stay past seventy to, to get some wins. That wasn't necessarily the best. That's not really the case with Belichick in terms of him as a head coach, right? Like almost you can eliminate his years in Cleveland. Take away all those wins, and he's still going to be top five, right? So, I, I think it's just one of those situations where I see what you're saying. Like, at what point do you go anew, and is that new going to be with small pieces hanging around, or do you completely flush everything and and say, "Here's your brand new situation"? And I think part of the fan base is going to be like they want to know something that's familiar there before going completely new. Let's go to David and Acton six one seven 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 nine seven ninety three seven. Thanks so much for calling KJ and Dondero. Hello. Hello. Yeah, David. Hi. Um, okay. The, to me, the, the success uh, for any quarterback is basically the, the coach and how well you're willing to prune him. You know that guy called uh, Pat Mahomes? Think about it. He didn't start his first year, right? Is that they let him 
sit behind a seasoned quarterback. They taught him how to read defenses. Now his, his athletic skills flourished. The second person I'll call is Dak, is Dak uh, Prescott. Is at the end of the day, if you really think about it, right, Tony Romo was the best teacher he would ever get because he would teach him how to see the defense, what to expect. The problem is in this new football is that they're taking away the, the, the learning curve part of it. And they're just boom, the, everybody, they think everybody is a, 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 is a Lamar Jackson. Well, my view is Lamar Jackson would not be successful in New England. You still need pieces around him. That's exactly what's happening in Baltimore. They haven't got him any, any pieces. So guess what? You're as good as the coach is. David, thanks so much for the call. Appreciate it. Have a great Saturday. Patrick Mahomes, he, he in his first year, yeah, he sat behind Alex Smith. In his second year, Took he threw off. 50 touchdowns. Yeah. I, I, I think you, you have to think about who you're comparing when you're giving these examples of what they're seeing, right? Like, I think part of the greatness of, say, Joe Burrow is this is a guy that had to kind of toil in college. By the time he gets to LSU, you know, like I was uh, just on BetQL morning show yesterday, and we're talking to a sister station in Cincinnati. I said, man, God bless if Justin Jefferson ever gets unhappy in Minnesota and decides to want to go hang out with his college buddies. Like you would, I mean, just end football, right? But it, it, a lot of it is the experience. And I think part of two things, I guess, to what David was saying, that would have been very hard because you had two different types of quarterbacks when Cam Newton was here. So if Cam was to teach Mac what Cam could do, th- that's not what Mac does, right? So that's one part. The other part is, how much playing experience did did Mac Jones have in college? Right, he only played the one year, uh, well, half a year when Tua was the quarterback and went down with the injury, but he never went through a situation where he really had to compete for the job. Even when he got to New England, he really didn't compete for that job with Cam Newton. He it wasn't like he clearly beat Cam Newton out in camp because we would have clearly seen him in there with the first team. So this is now it seems like we're two three years in where now Mac is going to have to learn some things in a hard way, and last year was probably the hardest anyone could. Because think about it. When have you ever heard of a story anywhere else where you have no offensive coordinator and you don't have a quarterback that's been in the league for, like, at least a dozen years, right? You hear them say, like, well, they had Vinny, they did this with Vinny Testaverde. Yeah, Testaverde was in the league for, like, 15 years at that point. What, yeah. you, what you, could you really tell them? So, so I'm going to say this, just yeah. because we're going to get into the playoff games in a little bit. Yeah. So Mac Jones, and this is why, when I say I'm not out on Mac Jones, this is why. Okay, I think Mac Jones... Well, ne- I, I'll say it this way. I don't think Mac Jones is ever going to be Pat Mahomes or Joe Burrow. Okay, what I mean is now they have weapons, but their teams aren't necessarily stacked. You know what I mean? Like the Chiefs, they've they got some weapons. they got some good players. They're not stacked. The, you know, the Bengals have great re- receivers, Higgins and, and Chase, and but they don't really have much of an offensive line. You know, their tight end is good, not great. Their defense is good, not great. It's not stacked. Yeah. He's never going to be them. They're never going to be a team with an elite quarterback if you're Mac Jones and the Patriots. But I do think Mac Jones could be what the Eagles are or what Brock Purdy and the 49ers are, meaning a quarterback that could take you to the promised land. Yeah, but However, both of, guys, both of those guys have mobility and well, can make plays on the, on, in, in private ways. I don't even think he needs that. I just think if you load up – Mac Jones will take whatever strengths he has, and if you get him the the help and the talent that are on those teams, which is hard to do, 
then maybe he will be able to take you to where you want to go. But that's what he needs. He won't be able to do it in the way Burrow and Mahomes can do it or Josh Allen can do it. He could do it the way Jalen Hurts is doing it in Philly with a good D-line, O-line, receivers, or Purdy, McCaffrey, Debo Samuel, uh, Kittle, the defensive line, the offensive line, the de- all the pieces around him so elite. That's what Mac Jones could be. Or Not could- the AFC guys, the NFC guys. Or he could be the next Trent Green. You put a great, strong running game behind him, an amazing offensive line. Your receivers aren't a big deal. You got a strong tight end play. And you've got a defense that's going to be a little bit better than normal at that time, right? That's I, I see Mac Jones as probably a Trent Green. And if you remember some of those Chiefs teams that were able to make deep runs and yep. win a bunch of games, you know, but they just had defensive problems, that, that might be the other side of it, right? Because Trent Green, we're not talking about a guy who's super mobile. He could process things well, but the, he had a strong running game. What was Jamal Charles or Priest Holmes or Larry Johnson? That's why I say when you have someone like a Ramondre Stevenson, you need to go get kind of that other back that can probably give you 500 yards on the ground behind Ramondre, probably at about 1,100, maybe just a tick under 1,200, to get 16, 17, 1,800 yards from the running game. And that's what's going to help Mac Jones because then you can get to the play action and be so much more effective without having to spend gobs of money for deep threats. because That's where Tyquan Thornton suddenly becomes like, okay, if the guy can solidly catch the ball all the time and nothing says that he can't, then there's your star and he, you're paying him at, at the rookie rate, and that's where you have some pieces, I think. Yeah, you all just right. said it right there. And I know we have to go, but just to finish yeah. the thought, the rookie yeah. rate is what you said. That's why I would worry a little bit about guys like oh, Purdy so young, but even Jalen Hurts. like They need the help to be elite. I don't think Burrow or Mahomes necessarily need all the, Maybe They might need the help to win it all, but right. to be elite – I don't know if they need that help. So if it comes to the point where Jalen Hurts, his rookie contract's up, and you got to pay him, I'd be concerned at that point that maybe we're not going to be able to get the, the help and the talent around him that he would ultimately need to succeed at the highest level. I could see, though, Mac Jones being like Jalen Hurts if he had that level of talent around him. That's why right now I'm not out. But when it comes to giving him that massive contract in the second contract, that's the question that the, the Patriots or whoever will have to answer. That's the question the Eagles will have to answer. And that's going to be tough because, you know, the productivity is there. That's what the Ravens are dealing with right now because the productivity is there, but it's a lot of things that have to fall into place for that type of player to have that level of productivity. Okay, take a breath, Mark, because when we come back, we discuss the NFL playoffs. It's KJ and Dondero, WEEI. Good Saturday to you, 617-779-7937, text line 37937. Thank you so much for being here. KJ and Don Darrow on WEEI. Boston Sports Original. Yeah. KJ and Don Darrow on your Saturday. Your Saturday? W- Saturday. There's so many different ways you can say Saturday. Saturday. We thought about it. Yeah, well, it's Sunday. Say way, Sunday. That's more for monster trucks. It's W E E I K J and Don Darrow. Thank you so much for being here. Uh, still to come and talk about the Celtics on the slide that they're on, but. NFL playoffs tomorrow, man. I'm in, I'm in withdrawal. Why? Like, because I should be watching football in 15 minutes. Oh, that's true. Yeah, I thought yeah. today. The, oh, sucks. next. No, here's what's funny. Like, so I called my cousin last week. I was like, hey, look, he's recently married. His brother's recently married. So I was like, look, why don't we all go like on a family, you know, like a kind of three family, you know, husband, wife kind of dinner date. Okay. And let's set it up for February 4th. Because <laughs> like, there'll be no games. It'll be a Saturday afternoon. 
you know, like there's no Sunday game. So like we, we we're all in agreement. Like, yeah, we're not doing it next weekend. We will do it the fall. We'll do it in two weeks when there's no game. So that way we can give all of our attentions to our spouse for that weekend. Isn't it crazy how late the Super Bowl is now? Like the Super Bowl used to be this weekend. Yeah, but that's good. But they also used to smoke cigarettes on the sideline and play 14 games. So, you know, it's a good thing that progress has happened. Well, this was in the a 14 game. I mean, the, the Ravens beat the Giants on this day 20 years ago. I'm talking about back in the day, day. They yeah, used the to day. only be 14 games. And, like, the Super Bowl was, like, the second week of January. I understand. <laughs> I just think it wasn't that long ago when the Super Bowl wasn't that, you know, it was January something. I, I just... Yeah, it, you know, when they introduced the bye week and then the bye week during the playoffs is what stretched it into February. And, of course, with television, right? So they're good, like, hey, the week before, watch the Grammys where you would know nobody. Like, you know what would be a funny bit? is Remember Barrett, who used to work here? Yeah. Like, match, making him watch the, 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 the Grammy Awards as a guy who listens to no music and then have him say who's the best winner that night. Who did he think? Like, I mean, you know, that's what they do. It's all about television. Grammys one weekend and the Super Bowl the next weekend and then uh, sell a bunch of ads for unridiculous amount of money. I, I don't mind. I mean, extend the football season as long as you can. It helps me get through the winter. Yeah, so says, the player, says the player's left knee. Right? No, I, I mean, I'm, it's not my head. Yeah, but. I mean, even extending the playoffs, you know, like, do that to college football. Like, kid, how bad do you want to get into the pros? You know, like, play yeah. play, play your games through December. All right, so remember, you can hear both games, the NFC and AFC Championship game, right here on WEEI uh, from the beginning. Uh, coverage starts tomorrow, I believe, at 2.30. Game one tomorrow at three, San Francisco at the Eagles. Eagles favored by two and a half. Do you think that the Brock Purdy honeymoon ends tomorrow? Yes, I do. I Uh, think it is over, and I think Philadelphia absolutely wins that game. I think the defensive line of Philadelphia is going to create pressure uh, that Purdy hasn't seen. And I think he is going to, I don't want to say turn into a pumpkin, but I I do not expect him. uh, We saw a little bit of a crack, some cracks last week. Yeah. I think it's going to be bigger and more uh, noticeable this week. I think Philadelphia finds a way to wrestle that game away from San Francisco. I don't think it'll be a blowout, but I just think uh, Philly too much at home, rookie quarterback. Um, I, I don't see it happening for the for the Niners. I think it ends tomorrow. Yeah, I see a punch in the mouth early from the Eagles to the 49ers, not literally, but figuratively. Like they probably see something on film that Brock, Brock Purdy wants to do. And I would not be surprised if you see probably an interception deep in their own territory or potentially a, six pick, a pick six early. I think San Francisco will recover, and it would be a close, lower-scoring game. But I think Philadelphia's defense will be able to exert its will on Brock Purdy early on. And I think if they're able to stop Christian McCaffrey from getting up through the middle, through the holes, if they're able to nail him a couple of times trying to get to the line and now force Christian McCaffrey to try and take things, bend him to the outside – then San Francisco would be in trouble. I wouldn't be surprised if you don't start seeing Debo Samuel brought back into what he wanted to get away from. Like, I don't want to run the ball so much. I think they're going to try and have to pull that out and and, and maybe get the ball out of Brock Purdy's hands as much as possible. I All agree. Right. They're going to have to do that because it's they, they're going to have to do way more, obviously, than they did against Dallas. Yeah. And you're, I think you're going to have so much. Your hands are going to be so full Whatever is available to you, you're going to have to go to because the 49ers offensively are going to be challenged in this game. Yeah, well, even when you look back to last week's game with the 49ers, it's not like they blew the brakes off of Dallas. It's just it's that a good Dallas defense. Just, it was a good yeah, defense. Right. It's just that Dallas just self-imploded from the offensive side of the ball. And so you would almost say like, hey, if there was... If the Eagles played the 49ers last week, yeah, I think the 49ers would be out of... You know, they'd be out of it. So I, I think it's the same thing this week. I think Jalen Hurts doesn't have a monster game 
uh, but shows that he can be proficient in a game like this, which I think is the big question. All right, the 6.30 game, and that is I, I, this is such a marquee game. It's a rematch of last year's AFC Championship. The Bengals at the Chiefs. The, this line has been going back and forth all week at BetMGM. It's it's been like my grade, like D F D F D F. Well, now the Chiefs. A lot of references to your poor grades back in the day today. But it's a it's a story of hope, yeah. right? Like that you could work at W E E I and have like a, a consistent report card with seventy twos on there. All right. Uh, yeah, there you go. So look, uh, I know you don't like hearing that it, it, with your profession, uh, with your love of the teaching profession. You don't. No, want no, no. I, well, yes, I'm disgusted, but whatever. <laughs> look, the Chiefs. At one point, we're, we're the underdog, and then now they're the favorite, and it's really all about like honing in on Patrick Mahomes' a high ankle sprain. What do you like in this game? I like the Bengals in this game because, one, they've done this before with a healthy Patrick Mahomes, and two, the whole thing about Patrick Mahomes' greatness with Travis Kelsey is his ability to move in an eight-joystick position way versus just up, back, left, right. This guy can go northwest, southwest, southeast, southwest. He can't do that with this ankle. So you'll have to see a Patrick Mahomes stay stationary in the pocket and it will give defenses better chances to prepare to be where Travis Kelsey is when he wants to deliver the ball. Where with Mahomes, he'll step to the left, step to the right, and then throw it underhanded. And by this time, you as the defense have had to make three moves off of what Mahomes is doing and won't be able to catch up with Kelsey. This time, you'll be able at least be able to get in front of him or get right behind him and stop him so that way he doesn't get those big games. Do you think that the ankle is really going to be that big of an issue? Yes, in terms of his mobility, like it doesn't affect his arm at all. So there's one thing that I'm there's one thing I can't get past, and I want to pick the Bengals, and I probably will. Okay, yeah. and I'll tell you why. But the one thing that I have trouble getting past is: Are the Bengals really going to beat Mahomes and the Chiefs four times in a row? Like that seems or, really tough to do. Well, here's the thing: After they beat him the first time, the question was: Do you think they could really beat them again? And then after they beat him twice in a row. And it's the and it's for the AFC Championship to go to the Super Bowl. You ask yourself, you really think they're going to beat them three times in a row? It's happened. Now at some point, it's got to stop. Yeah, but but that might be the opening season Thursday night game next year, right? Like, yeah. So listen, yeah, I, I, the the main reason the reason that I'm going to land on the Bengals is because I just cannot get over the youth in the secondary for the Chiefs. Yeah, slowing down Burrow and Chase and Higgins and Hurst and and mixing you know all the weapons, Ryan, especially right? how yeah. they've played. I, I just and I also think, based on how Kansas City has had some success against yeah. the Bengals, like I think they'd almost be better off running the ball and using the tight ends. Based on what I've heard and what I've read, that's not really what you want when you're Patrick Mahomes. And I understand his ankle, but you want Mahomes to be able to sling it, the gunslinger. Like if he's if you're taking the ball out of his hands, that's awkward to me, too. I just think that there's too much youth and inexperience in the secondary for the Chiefs to really be able to slow down Joe Burrow enough, especially with how the Bengals are playing. I have to pick the Bengals in this game, especially you're giving me a, a point and a half. I'm picking the Bengals. So are we both saying Eagles, Bengals, that's what Super I'm Bowl? Yep. Yeah. God bless Glendale, Way more Arizona. conviction with the Eagles pick than the Bengals pick. Yeah. I'll say that. You know, I, I I probably have equal conviction, you know, probably slightly less on the Bengals because it is against the Chiefs in Arrowhead. But God bless those people in Glendale, Arizona, all those Eagles fans showing up in Arizona. Oh, gosh. Well, the Cactus is agreeing to. Yeah, well, we'll see. <laughs> Final hour of KJ and Dondero next. We talk Celtics. Continue to hang out. 617-779-7937. Text line 37937.